0: Hi, everybody. <laughs> this is uh, the special post-BlizzCon live edition of the Blizzard Watch podcast. You know myself and my magnificent co-host, Joe Perez, so don't ever mind us. Uh, we've got an entire roundtable of people to introduce, so let's get on to doing that. I'm going to try doing it in the usual alphabetical order type situation. So, Corey, say hi. Tell people who you are.
1: Hey, I'm Corey. Uh, I'm a writer for Blizzard Watch. I have been for three years. Um, the, the lead Heroes of the Storm writer, as well as I do a lot of the Warcraft and Diablo and a little bit of Overwatch and pretty much anything else that you need to write, was my yep. third BlizzCon, and I had a bunch of fun.
2: Ted? Hi, I'm Ted. I've been writing for Blizzard Watch since uh, 2016, and they still let me write for them. I write mostly the Hearthstone stuff, I cover the weekly brawls, and a little bit of the WoW stuff.
0: And now we get to introduce two Liz's um first up is Liz Prime I'm told Liz if you want to introduce yourself
3: uh hello I am Liz Harper and uh I'm the managing editor for Blizzard Watch and I've been doing this for longer than I can remember
0: yes back in the the dim primordial past of the site we don't talk about um also with us is the second Liz Liz go ahead
4: uh, hi, uh, I'm Liz Patt. Uh I am a writer for the Blizzard Watch site, and I'm amazed that uh, we haven't somehow created a black hole with both Liz's existing in, uh, in one podcast. I usually write <laughs> mostly about Diablo and sometimes about World of Warcraft if they let me stop squeeing.
0: Alrighty then, that's everybody except myself and Joe, who we already introduced, so we don't worry about that. If you don't know who we are at
5: this point, there's some weird stuff going on. (laughs) Yeah,
0: but, so we're on the the final day, BlizzCon Live just essentially ended, Um, so what I want to do here is go around in reverse alphabetical order this time, uh, letting Joe talk last, and get you guys, just your initial response, your initial feelings about what you just saw, what you just experienced, so Liz P, if you don't mind?
4: Um. Wow. (laughs) <laughs> is all I, like holy holy cats is all i gotta say um we got so much diablo this weekend that i uh made the crack that it was actually Diablo online and um
0: i don't I, think I you're far off it.
4: yeah not really that far off um i didn't get a lot of sleep but that's totally okay that's what the rest of the days of the year are for yeah that's that's part,
0: that's that's part of the experience
4: exactly yeah, and this was only my second BlizzCon with Blizzard Watch, so um, doing it online only was quite the adventure. Uh, I oh my god, I just want all these all these titles on my computer, on my phone now. Gimme, 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 gimme.
0: Alrighty, uh, now for the the Prime Liz from the original timeline.
4: Oh. Uh. <laughs> uh, I
3: I words. I don't think any of us were sure kind of how this would translate online because you get some online events and they're, you know, you have connectivity problems and it's all scattered and it's a mess, but this was just really cleanly produced. And I think parts of it were even, you know, better than the in-person experience, Uh, particularly like the costume contest where you could easily see everything. You got to see a lot of details because on your monitor right in front of you and you aren't in row 527 in the back of the convention hall staring at a screen. 100 feet above you. Uh, So I was just really impressed by the convention. And the games look great. I'm really hyped for Diablo 2. But I was just really impressed by the formatting and the technical stuff because it came off really smooth. It went really well.
0: Okay, cool. Uh, I've just reminded myself that Joe is actually next. So, Joe, did you get to see anything? (laughs) Do you have any reactions?
5: Uh, Honestly, I was actually really impressed with how condensed everything was. And I don't think you realize how much time actually gets spent between uh, the various like setups and teardowns and everything when there's a live con. And so it was actually really cool to see how much could be crammed into a very small period of time. Uh, and it was relatively short. Cause I mean, it was starting what three Eastern today, uh, five Eastern yesterday, and then like went until what? ten. Eastern yesterday like it wasn't a long period of time and when we go to the cons you know we're up early we're in line we're going in like you know what is doors open usually what 10 11 o'clock and then we're usually there till 10 11 o'clock at night so like that 12 hour block got condensed down because there was no setup or tear down that needed to be done everything was done ahead of time and i'm gonna throw a shout out to adam Holinski out there in 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 internet land because i wonder i'm i want to know if he had the same reaction i did this is the first blizzcon there wasn't audio issues and it was amazing (laughs) And for anybody who doesn't know, that's a big joke between me and Adam because we've done a lot of of audio engineering and sound stuff in our past. And so whenever there would be audio issues when doing the live stuff at BlizzCon, we would commiserate in, in like, chat or DMs or whatever. And it's like, Blizzard, just hire us. We'll take care of it for you. Uh, So it was nice to see that because everything was done ahead of time, it was very smooth and very clean. And uh, as somebody who sometimes has a hard time hearing things when people speak at conventions, I appreciated that was it was just a really good time cool
2: cool uh ted you got anything for us i mean wow um So we got kind of what we expected with the new Hearthstone expansion, Forged in the Barrens. We got a brand new mercenary mode that we didn't have any idea was coming that looks just amazing. But I think my big takeaway from all the panels and everything was just seeing the passion of the developers, how much this means to them, how much they want us to dive into these worlds and enjoy them and and really see the fruits of of what they've been working on for the past year. So I was just blown away by by their passion and how much they care.
0: Yeah, actually one of the things I noticed when I was watching was I was so relieved – that it's still the same group of people who don't really do public speaking very often. And you can tell they're more excited about what they're trying to tell you than necessarily thinking about what they're telling you. I actually really like that because that harkens back to every blow kind of ever watched or been at. So mm-hmm. I was, I was happy about that. Corey, you got anything for us fella?
1: Uh, wow. It was, a, it was an amazingly well put together event. Um, the squishing it down into those like four and five hour blocks was really impressive. But I really would have loved it if they hadn't squished it down quite as much, or if they had just filled in a little, in a little extra time. Like, I know it's greedy of me to want more, but they could have given us more, too. Like, there, there's so much more. We could have gotten more panels on everything. I, I know that that takes away from the developers doing more work on the games that we want to play. But, like, there, I'm sure they could have found some more interesting things to talk to us
0: about. Well, since you mentioned that you're the Heroes guy... You probably were a little disappointed in the amount of Heroes news you got this time around.
1: I, I was very disappointed. Uh, there was no dedicated Heroes panel because I, there would have probably been one if they had done BlizzCon like normal back in 2020 in November because they would have been hyping up Hogger to be released. But he got released a month and a half ago, so there was no nothing there. But, I mean, I wrote about it for the site. Basically, they didn't have anything that they ha- were ready to show off right now. The, they are they are still working on skins and events and things to come out down the line they just weren't in a spot to do that and i said that's fine we love what you do just kind of show us some you know concept art or something go back in time and talk about like heroes from the ground up just we want to see what's happening because we love the game and the community loves the game. And it would have been a, even it, if it's not new stuff, we still would have had a fun
5: time. Yeah. It upsets me too, because like I, for my money, it's one of the best MOBAs out there. Like, oh, without
1: a doubt. it's So smooth. So not already. Yeah.
5: Sorry. Dis- disappointing. No, that's fine. Uh, but I'm not going to say what I
0: thought, which was, uh, basically Liz P and I are on the same page. It was like Diablo and it's friends, the con. And I was perfectly okay with that. Um, <laughs> Diablo to um, what I'm really interested in is we nobody was surprised by the announcement about Diablo True uh, resurrected. I don't think. this nobody was like, oh, I can't believe this is happening. I think we were all like, finally, finally you tell us.
5: Yeah, we've been um, waiting for how long.
0: <laughs> yeah, partially because I think back in 2019 we expected it
5: mm-hmm.
0: um, partially because with the acquisition of vicarious visions, and those guys, you you did I watched a lot of Diablo Two panels this this Blizzcon guys. You knocked it out of the park on your presentation. If you can deliver what you what you told us you're gonna do, you will have a lot of happy people. I think this is the remaster that makes or breaks Blizzard's reputation for on remastering, quite frankly, uh, and to see it come out as strong as it did and to see them come out with a message as strong as they as they presented was encouraging i was very heartened by it i of course want to know more about diablo 4 all the time like literally i i think about diablo 4 so much that i almost named one of my pets diablo 4 Uh, (laughs) and so that was exciting i i feel like they've really managed to to low-key bulk up diablo immortals profile to the point where you can have it be a big deal in your convention And there was no outrage, there was no upset, there was none of that what we saw in 2018. um, Which I was very, very happy to see. Diablo Immortal looks like a really solid MMO. I'm just gonna say this, if it was being released on PC, I think people would be over the moon for it. And I think they will eventually come to, it will come to be one of the best mobile games for that out there. I think it's, its quality is at this point established, so I was excited about that too. I was a little disappointed, but not surprised that we didn't get more about World of Warcraft. Um, We got more than I expected us to get, quite frankly, um, and I think that's something we'll talk about soon. But, yeah, you're in a place where we're early in an expansion. We're not going to find out anything about the next expansion. There's no way this early into this expansion. There's no way they're going to talk about the next one.
5: Yeah, we're, so, we're barely past the first tier of content.
0: Yeah, w- yeah, we got was what I expected us to get. We got like teasers about the next patch. We got to see that cinematic. And I think at this point I'm going to move to talking about that cinematic. And this time I'm just going to pick somebody at random. So, uh, no, nah, yeah, second Liz, Liz P. Um, what did you think of that trailer?
4: Oh my god. <laughs> I was sitting here bouncing up and down quietly when you were saying you were going to pick someone at random, like, I want to talk about it, I want to talk about it, um, because holy cow, holy cow, the, oh, the visuals, the throwback, It. I, since I'm new at this, um, any problems with spoilers since this was... It so, is I know totally so. at this point,
5: if yeah, you're I was watching gonna say, this, uh, yeah, I was gonna say, I think we, we can do a blanket. This episode will contain spoilers for BlizzCon. If you are listening to the recorded version of this and you did not expect that, I'm sorry, but yeah, spoilers from here on out.
4: Okay, um, the look when Anduin takes the modified sword and it's a throwback to I don't, I'll call it inspired by the Arthas model. the the lore implications the the story implications the character implications i thought i was going to explode because i immediately had so many questions and like what does this do to anduin's soul as as a priest and oh like i so uh-huh.
5: Ted and I actually had to talk about this a little bit on uh, Twitter yesterday. You felt very strongly uh the cinematic, didn't you, Ted?
2: Yeah, I, I really did. Um, first of all, hats off to Taryn Gregory and his entire team, like the the technical details, the music, the cinematography, everything about this thing was absolutely top notch. So I don't want anything that, that I say to detract from the incredible Long work that that went into it. My 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 issue was that I didn't want for Anduin to go dark. I didn't want dark Anduin. I wanted Anduin's connection to the light to be powerful enough, just as we saw in Ice Crown Citadel. You know, they talked about Ice Crown Citadel, the 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 killing of Arthas as being one of those seminal moments, one of those one of those bedrock moments in in all the 30 years of Warcraft and what one of that that moment was so great because of the moment of our defeat the light answered Tyrion's call and we were able to snatch victory from from the very Jaws of Defeat. And and now with this, it's like Anduin's connection to light isn't strong enough to keep him from essentially being made a puppet. So that that was so, really what I didn't like about it.
5: And I think you're onto something there. And, and I'll probably get into more of this when we get into lore watch because I have a lot to talk about with it. But it made me that cinematic made me think about the light in a completely different way, not in a bad way, mind you, just a different way. And like I started thinking about all the previous cinematics and all the previous things we've seen. And something you said, like, that's what, like, keyed it off for me is looking at it, and it's the the calling to the light, it's almost like they're inviting the light into them. When a priest or a paladin is wielding the light, they're not necessarily wielding it, they're acting as a conduit, a vessel, and I think that's the key. And it, like, I think there's more to it now because of that. And I think that sort of broadens the impact of why Anduin was important and why paladins and priests uh, can do what they can do between the light and priests with like going in shadow and, and touching the void. Like that cinematic, those moments, especially when like Liz is talking about that, that uh, look that he gives that recognition of like, he's still inside of his body. He's just not in control. It's, it's as if he's being inhabited. He's a vessel. And that's even what, like, zolval refers to him as. I think it made me start really to appreciate the importance of what somebody like Anduin represents.
2: Well, and if I can just add, you may want to go back and look at the scene in Before the Storm where Kali is resurrected and the way that Anduin describes his interaction with the light. Which is true,
5: but perception of what you're left behind can always be different, too. Matt talks about it a lot, about how... Uh the light has a very specific view of things. We talk about this a lot. So I was always kind of curious about that. And we could talk more about that later, but it's just it, it's it the cinematic made me start thinking about things different, is really what it boils down to.
4: Yeah. And I I I wanna also chime in. We have the experience in the Shadowlands, um, especially when we're talking to Thrall, about being cut off from the elements. And it makes me wonder how much his time in the Maw has cut Anduin off from the light, and what the implication is there for him, and if that contributed.
0: Okay, I, I do want to actually talk about some of the stuff that was revealed, but I want to make sure that Cory and, and Liz get a chance to talk. Uh, do either of you have anything you want to throw in about the uh, cinematic before we move on?
1: I really love the transition between the, the lion armor and his new Death Knight getup. That was such a great, like, as he's leaping at the Archon, super fun. And... Just that they were able to even throw in that little bit of a character moment where he regrets what he's done and that before the armor reasserts control and you can tell that it's the armor doing it through light up, super great. So kudos, as always, to Taryn and his team. They do yeoman's work.
0: Mm-hmm. Liz?
3: Uh, I'm curious about the light, too, because, you know, we had the moment in Ice Crown Citadel where it's like the light came in and saved us all. Tyrion was, you know, uh, called on the light and bang, we won that fight because the light was with us. Uh, but, you know, in Legion, we saw Tyrion fall, and he's there saying the light will protect me, and it didn't. And now we're seeing Anduin here and the Maw, you know, kind of counting on this strength of will and his connection. He doesn't call on the light like Tyrion did, where Tyrion says the light protect me and all of that. But you see this connection being very different. And you also see it. Like over time, we don't have this, the light will protect anymore. We don't assume that the light will protect us. We've seen our heroes fall. Like especially in Legion, I think. we just saw a lot of heroes falling and we all got knocked down really hard. And we don't, you know, the light isn't necessarily there for us, which is kind of interesting. Well, yeah, then, I don't you want to drag, go ahead. <laughs>
1: In, in Ice Crown, he says, Light grant me this one final blessing. He emphasizes one final blessing. So he'd already <laughs> used up his one and only by the time. <laughs> Legion rolled around.
0: I'm See, sorry. I I a a joke. That's a joke, but I actually, that's a point I wanted to make before we moved on is that we saw Zera desperate to turn Illidan into a champion of the light. And we never really stopped to ask ourselves why she was so desperate to do mm-hmm. it. Is it possible that by refusing the light there, Illidan effectively signaled the end of its ability to be as effective as it once was? It's possible that the light's a finite resource. Go back to, of all things, go back to just when Cataclysm came out. And you get Velen goes to Oribar Harborage because there's a dying uh, Draenei lost one there, one of the broken. And the light can not they can't use the light to cure him. And they're like, why? Why is he dying? Why can't we save him? And and and, uh, Velen says, the light does not operate unopposed in this world realm. Mm -hmm. And I think what we're looking at here is that the light is not omnipotent. It is not. If it was, it would already have won. And we're in a situation here where we keep thinking that just because you're strong in the light, you can overcome these things, but the light isn't unopposed and we're in the Shadowlands. We're not in the realm of light. We're not in a place where the light operates equally against everybody else. We're in a realm where if you bring the light to bear, there's a cost. There's a there's a Naru trapped in Revendreth right now. It can't leave. It's been damaged by its time here. This place is a realm of death, not a realm of the light. And I think that's something we're seeing, too, is the idea that these forces are in opposition and we're currently in the place where the force we're opposing is the strongest. So that's interesting to me. I don't know how that's going to play out.
5: I, I think there's another thing that 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 might also become important moving into the future, too. And this is going to be something for the, the Alliance folks out there. I think the Light Forge just became a whole lot more important after the cinema uh, and after everything we've seen revealed, because I think, you know, you're making good points. But now we can start looking at beings and entities that have been completely reforged and rebuilt by the light. In a way that most everything hasn't, and how does that interact? How does that happen? How does that work? And now you have Tyrion, who ostensibly is in that same boat, who's still around. Like things are about to get really, really interesting. And I I always wondered why would the light make, like, reforge all these, these creatures that were, you know, devoted to it? This might be a hint at why, because if the light doesn't operate unopposed and they need to go places where the light can't touch, well, maybe if we just rewire everything so that they're beacons of the light themselves and the light is inside of them, you know, inhabiting them at a core level, then they can go do what they need to do. and not. Or you kill the light it. by having it do that in a place where it's
0: not strong enough to do it. It might be how the light ends up losing this war and dies.
5: Possibly too. Yes, absolutely. And that's absolutely. something that
0: I think we're actually starting to see that that might happen. That might be one of the reasons why they needed Illidan so badly. They needed a champion. But... I want to do move on to actual like story stuff we're seeing here. We know that there's a new, new, I don't want to call it a zone cause it's part of the maw, but a new part of the maw uh, coming in. Um, I cannot pronounce this word for the life of me. Corthia. Is that what we're, we're going right. with mm-hmm. Um Okay. So now this time we're going to go actually alphabetical order for the responses. Uh, Corey, what did you think about the Corthia reveals?
1: They're, they're very bare bones right now. Um, Calling them reveals, it's more like teases, I feel, because, I mean, Ian especially said he didn't want to talk about any of the new systems coming in the patch, but uh, I like that the Maw is getting a little bigger, because it it's good that we're getting the zones expand over time, that's kind of an, a neat thing they haven't really done before, but also, I know that people hate the Maw because you can't mount there, and as a druid, I don't have that same kind of problem so soon, uh, I'm <laughs> laughing at all of it right now, but um, they are saying that they're going to make the Maw better for everyone, too, but the... Having mounts work in there, getting rid of the Eye of the Jailer, I, it sounds like that's going to become like a really great zone, and especially with the new stuff they're adding in 9.05 with the Stygia crafting and more, more mounts there, it'll be, um, it'll be super cool. I really like the idea that we're getting a bigger zone to play in there.
2: Ted, so it looks interesting. I think so. Someone with constricting playtime, I'm concerned about another set of, of chores, another daily hub, and, and how I'm going to fit that into kind of my uh, week and, and raid prep. All right, that's fair.
5: Uh, anything that you immediately thought of, Joe? Uh, just there's going to be way more for me to devour, and I'm kind of okay with it because it's going to lead to expanding universe that we just uh, we talking about. I I like I like the fact too that hearing the changes that they want uh, to make to the mall are exciting uh, because it's a thing where it had the potential to be a really cool fun zone. And I refuse to go there. (laughs) Uh, So here in exactly for the reasons uh, that they're changing the things that don't that made me not want to be there. So, like, it makes me feel good because they're listening to the player base. It seems like they're actually paying attention. And I think I want to reward them so that they keep doing it. (laughs) Uh, But between that and Corthia and everything else, I'm actually excited because one of the one of the things I really wanted to do this expansion is explore and explore new and different places because we get to do that so very little uh, that I'm on board. I'm on board for more. Like, if they were to tell me that there's after this there's, you know, another two zones that we're going to go and, and kind of take a look at, I'd be okay with that too. So yeah. I'm just excited. Earth One, Liz?
3: I'm kind of with Ted here. I hate dailies. I hate them so much. I get I just, I just get bored doing the same thing over and over again. And if we're comparing it to Nechagon... Which Metagon, we are. MechaGon yeah, Mechagon was a really cool, beautiful zone. And you also kind of, you felt like you had to go there every day. And you had to do these, you know, five daily quests every day. And you had to go and like, uh, you mentioned this in a post today, Matt. The quest in Mechagon where you had to kill like three rares. And you would go around and around. And you'd find a rare and someone killed it. And then you'd have <laughs> to go around and around and around. And you'd find another rare and someone just killed it. And this just takes forever and it's not fun. Uh, So I suppose it kind of depends on what the dailies are like and how much it feels like we have to go there every day. I already feel like the Maw is a thing where we're kind of have to go there every day. And I've told myself, no, I hate this. I'm not going every day. But I hate that pressure like I think I would have enjoyed Mechagon more if I didn't have that pressure of dailies because it was a really cool zone Mm -hmm. with cool characters and a neat story. But I felt like I had to go there every day and I started hating it.
0: How much do you think that was because that was linked to flight though? Like, if, if yeah. you take a Mechagon-style experience, but you're not going there to get your flight, you're just going there as part of the thing. Does that make it better? Because that's what I'm worrying about. I'm thinking about that.
5: Flight definitely, I think, perceived, like altered that for at least people that are in our guild. I, that's why, like, during Mechagon, like, I started flying people around. Them being on the ground was awful.
3: Yeah, it was a real pain in Mechagon. Um, yeah, the flight equation might change that just because it kind of depends on what the rewards are. Because if you make the rewards really good then you're going to be like, oh, I have to go there every single day of my life. But if DVD. they're not good at
0: all, then you won't go anyway.
3: Yeah, then it doesn't feel rewarding to do stuff. So I don't know where that balance is. And I don't know if it's going to hit that balance. We don't know. We just know a little bit so far. So it's kind of early to say I hate it, but worried that I'll hate it.
0: Okay. Liz from the Fighting Mongooses universe, what do you think?
4: <laughs> that, that might be the best title. Um I, I, you know, I hate to get on the, I hate the ma bandwagon, but, uh, like Liz, let's
0: all go to the mall today.
4: Today, um, <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, I find the mod experience very frustrating right now. Um, uh, and honestly, um, when there was conversation earlier in staff chat while we were uh, talking about the Q&As and the articles, um, someone said something about needing 40 more renowned to to unlock flying and I misread it because that's what I thought it had said. And my heart stopped (laughs) because I was like, oh God, this is going to be another expansion. I'm never going to unlock flying. And uh, they... You know that got clarified, but uh, the one thing that I do like about this, and it, you know, it, it's the same kind of Mechagod effect. It's the similar effect in Legion, to be honest, is the unlocking of a new space, a new zone to to do more of that exploring, to broaden the world without releasing a new expansion. I and I think that's a fantastic way of doing things because it makes it harder for uh a larger larger part of the player base to get bored you know i i may not necessarily be a raider but oh my god give me an exploration achievement and i will i will drive myself into the ground to do it
0: yeah one of the things i've been thinking about in terms of this is we obviously as we've said we don't know a lot we do know a couple things though one of those things that we know is that we're going to finally find out what the eye of the jailer is and how it and they basically broadly hinted a lot of winking and nodding that it's related to Odin.
5: They didn't even wink. They flat out said if you're ever curious about Odin, here you're gonna find out more about it. Like they flat out said yeah. that.
0: So that's something we've been waiting, at least people like me have been waiting for this <laughs> yeah. since since we, I first became Odin's Pokemon. We need to overwrite <laughs> You know, um and having been his Pokemon for a while. Uh, I, I eventually, of course, I broke free from the Pokeball and escaped to a new expansion. Thank God. But I am interested in seeing him return. Possibly as more of a straightforwardly villainous character, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which is something. Quite frankly, he's a jerk and he needs to get smacked. Uh, but so I was excited about that. I am interested in the fact that they're 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 going to basically roll back some of the stuff that makes the Maw so unfriendly. Because I I, I don't hate the Maw, but I don't go there very much. It's inconvenient. I go I go there to do the 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 weekly quest to free a bunch of people. And that's basically the only time I go there. And there's a ton of stuff I would normally love to do there. There's a lot of exploration I would like to get in. There's zones to go parts of the zone to go look at. There's stuff to do. And but unfortunately I have a giant staring eyeball constantly over my head telling me, "Hey, now a ass- set elite assassins are going to show up every time you do anything." <laughs> It's like, I don't want elite assassins. I'll just leave until you stop. I'll come back tomorrow and, and you know do a little bit more. I could easily spend tons of time in the Maw if not for that. So I do think that the storyline bringing us to a place where we get rid of those constraints and can actually spend our time in the Maw makes it, you want it to be a place players
5: want to go. Yeah, it's like, what, what is, I was talking with, uh i can't even remember dev way 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 but like one of the city of heroes devs and it was the question was what use is it designing something that's super cool if nobody goes and that's what the ma is like it's this idea of like it could be really really cool but there are things that are keeping players from experiencing i'm and- like
0: i'm actually less excited about like i honestly don't think mounts really matter in the mall like i was fine with having to run around everywhere if anything i'd get rid of druid ability to shape and make everybody run there. I would make it uh, absolutely... Yeah, well, no one cares. Druids are horrible. You're a horrible class. You're broken. You should never have been put in the game. Yeah,
5: I will stand in solidarity with Coria because I can go into Ghost Wolf. Ah. That should also go away. Um,
0: but seriously, you should all play Warriors all the time. No healings, just 40-man groups, just all Warriors dying constantly, unable to kill anything. That should be World of Warcraft. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not serious.
5: But Did you design Janela?
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I You know, no, but I get where you're saying that. Uh, although, let's be honest, paladins were broken in, in vanilla, and that's why the Horde was really mad all the time.
4: I do we think always that break there's, the game.
0: there's a lot to uh, look forward to in this, but we do, we do have a lot of big questions as to exactly how it's going to all play out. And um, unless anybody has anything else to say about what we're getting in 9.1, like you guys, is there anything that I'm forgetting that we should probably talk about? I mean...
1: Uh, infinite pirate dragon. Probably okay. My beat favorite thing that I've written about you this. beat
3: me to it. Yeah, the
5: mega dungeon. Just <laughs> the in general. The
1: mega dungeon. First off, I love mega dungeons. They are, uh, legions, uh, the operation Mechagon, very solid content, and I'm excited to to get a heist version of that. Like, just say the word heist, and I'm in. You know, let's, let's Yeah, go, let's...
5: you know, I'm really curious what that, well, like, how that's gonna play out too. Like, they said the word that it's gonna be a heist, and I'm just like, okay, you have my attention. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's a Baralis section to it. Um, what you know, I don't really
0: understand it because I'll be up front. There was a lot of Diablo <laughs> stuff and I was trying to cover it so I may have missed some World of Warcraft stuff so if, go ahead and explain the dungeon to us.
1: So the cliff notes are is that it's a city of the brokers. It's like a big bazaar where they do all their trading and like jockeying for position and exchanging of riches and the first five fights will all take place in the city while we run around and mess things up there and then someone steals an artifact of Great power and goes dimension hopping. We've seen brokers show up everywhere, so we're going to chase. It sounds like we're going to chase them through a series of portals and just kind of like, here's the borella section. Here's the section after that. That I
5: think is really in- interesting because like that's confirmation because we were worried about like we. There's been speculation of how brokers have been getting stuff from them, and if they've been like like bartering for it or if they've been going and getting it themselves. It, it looks like they can actually go and get stuff themselves. So they have the ability to like go to Azeroth proper that's that's wicked interest. yeah
2: Cory and the multiverse of madness <laughs>
0: <laughs> sorry no, we, got that, we got that um I, I know that they talked a, l- a little bit about some system stuff but they didn't go into any real specifics so uh one last roundup time here anything else Liz uh me Liz uh
3: not really those were the kind of highlights it was actually a really short World of Warcraft
0: thing. Yeah, because obviously that we're still in the middle of doing this expansion, so there wasn't going to be tons of things. So I guess at this point, then, I get to take a deep breath and then move us into the deep, dark, vast waters of Diablo. Because, oh my god, this Liz, you know, Liz too, you have absolutely nailed what this convention felt like for me. Um you You got to do a, an interview with Dan, is correct? or am I misremembering? Mis- That's correct. I actually
4: got oh. to do one with Dan and one with Liz Prime.
0: So why don't you got once you since you' at two interviews, uh, why don't you talk about what's going on with Diablo? Let's let's talk about um Diablo 4 first. What do you got for us on
4: that? So Diablo Four, um, of course, we got the rogue and uh, the the best description of the rogue that I heard the entire time. Um, was from systems designer, uh, that she's an Olympic gymnast with a pair of bloody knives. And that aesthetic is 100%. Like, we got that in the cinematic, we got that in the gameplay. Um, I'm not saying anything about what she's laying on the back of the pew in the temple of, of Akarat, because you'll hear,
0: more about that later. <laughs>
4: <laughs> you'll hear more about that later. There we go. Um, but you know, that also was kind of a great hearkening into the other main topic, which was PP. And for someone who has zero interest in PVP, I'm sorry, internet, um, I'm actually interested in PvP because this system and the the, the way they're doing this uh, sounds so fascinating.
0: Yeah, I, I was actually one of the things I remember from watching the various uh, the Q&A panel today was they talked about how the uh, the rogue is going to work in terms of its systems. Um, basically, the rogue is unique in that it has I don't know what you call them. You call them specializations,
4: I think. I think? Yeah.
0: And the specializations, are, one of them is combo points. I mean, if you've, you know World of Warcraft players like combo points, I know what that is. Yes, uh, rogues will have combo points in, in Diablo 4, although it's not quite the, it's not the WoW system, it's a different system, but still the basics are you, you have getting it, you have it builder attacks and spender attacks and the combo points build up as you're working and you can use them to basically enhance your big finisher. It, it's a it's a system we're all familiar Um but I was more interested in the idea that because they have multiple specializations, they get class quests, and it's this seems to be right now. It's if not unique to the rogue, it's fundamentally a rogue thing that other people might get a little taste of as well. But did, did you do you remember what they said about that?
4: So to be clear, and this actually came up not only in the interview, it came up in the Q and A today, um, that the class quests are unique to the rogue in the sense that this is how they're going to develop their specializations with through or not with through different factions around sanctuary so one example is one that we've um we've seen in the franchise a couple of times the uh sisterhood of the sightless eye and that's going to be how those um those abilities are learned developed for that character uh so I, I, they didn't really give any kind of corollaries for the other classes. I've kind of been thinking about them like um, the arsenal system or the uh, the elemental enhancement system or... Um,
0: it's, it's unique it's, for the class. It's the flavor of the class.
4: Exactly. It's unique for the flavor of the class. Like all these different thieves guilds where you can learn different ways of, of behaving and sneaking around and stealing ears.
5: I want to know, and I I don't think I don't know if there was was ever a question that was answered. But for those that don't know, like Rogue was one of the original three classes released for Diablo, and then when Diablo Hellfire was released, there was a variant of that class. It was a Bard. I want to know if they're going to do anything that pays homage to that because they seem to be paying homage to all the others.
0: That's interesting because the Bard never actually got released. Hellfire only had monks. Yep. Uh, But the Bard and the Barbarian were both part of that. But no, that's a good point. There's nothing. There's nothing right now that we doesn't tell us, you know, what group she'll be with. We know they mentioned the sisterhood of the sightless Eye specifically because they're in Diablo two. And that way, you know, they could also talk about Diablo 2, which they did a lot of this week. But yeah, we don't know much, but we do know. The 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 PvP callback, yeah. Um the the what's what is the, the hate the hatred zone or um, the, the uh, realm the of the Mephisto? Of So can so you talk about that really fast before we move on?
4: Sure. So the the fields of hate are from what they described and this was attributed to two different big bads and because they said two different big bad names I'm not going to throw it out there because I'm not sh- it, it has serious implications either way um so the- the fields of hate have been getting effectively poisoned by this demonic hatred and that infects the player. That's that's the the flavor text behind the piece. so you can farm shards of hate, which are the PvP de- dedicated currency, uh, specifically from the monsters in the field, but also from the players if you're engaging in PvP. So that's the facet where you don't necessarily have. To engage in pvp but then to use the shards of hate you have to cleanse them in a purification ritual and the purification ritual flags you to everyone in the zone so basically the way i'm picturing this i don't know if that's the case and they didn't have any screenshots but this like big flashing like exclamation mark on the map saying hey someone's doing this go gank them and um you can be killed in that process of purifying your shards of hate and your shards are lost if they're not purified yet <laughs> hmm.
3: One interesting thing they said in the interview was that when thinking about pvp and diablo 4 it's like they the first thing they thought about is they need to abandon the idea of p being fair and everything being perfectly balanced because it's like I mean all the classes are really powerful and really badass but you know in a world PvP situation you could be fighting a monster and someone ganks you you could be fight you could be just by yourself and a group of five people come and destroy you so kind of the idea that it's not necessarily fair and it's there are like strategic implications for that I think yeah. it think it sound like fun at all but <laughs>
0: yeah it, it yeah, definitely it, it, is to a certain taste yeah absolutely uh, i'm seeing other... oh, go ahead.
4: Oh, i was gonna say the other kind of crazy thing about that not being fair is the fact that you know at one point earlier they talk about the the reaper of souls expansion three and how like nine out of ten people are killed so there's this r- it really emphasizes the idea of the players as like these these little pods killing each other like hunting each other down <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's it definitely has a it definitely has a Diablo feel to it. I'll give it that. However, I'm seeing as people are chatting on there and doing their little back and forth texts in, in our Discord, I'm seeing that I completely skipped the Burning Crusade <laughs> announcement. So I'm going to circle back around to that because yeah, that's kind of big. Um, again, this is not something that surprised anyone. I don't think anybody said huh, the Burning Crusade classic. I can't believe it. I think it was all more in the lines of yes. That is something you should be doing, um, but I do think there's a couple of things about that that I want to point out. I think one, I'm going to turn to 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 you, you know, Main Liz for this one. The uh, one of the things that I that I noticed that you brought up that they should do a while back when we were talking about it was that they're going to have they're going to have a character copy process that's not it's not the way it works for like most games right now. You're basically going to be able to clone your character onto Burning Crusade servers. And progress there while leaving your character on an on an original server that does not have Burning Crusade content. If you want to, did did you? Am I am I nuts or is that how what they're doing?
5: That's what they said. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Sorry. And
3: so, like you, I mean, you get you know, actually, this is the game I paid the least amount of attention to at BlizzCon, but uh, yeah, you can choose stick with that like vanilla experience and stay in Wild Classic, or you choose you want to keep advancing and you know everquest a long time ago did this thing where it was like they would roll out the servers and you could like take the journey with them like like you were playing from the beginning i forget what they called that but there was like and it seems like wow is doing something similar where you can experience that journey from the start if you want to or you can just say no i really loved vanilla this is my favorite time in wow and i'm gonna stick classic classic
0: yeah, what, what I thought was interesting is they're doing that, but they're also letting you clone your character so you could actually do both, which is, to, to me, that's not something I've ever seen any MMO do before, where you can, you can have your character who's level 60 right now, clone that character onto a new, new Burning Crusade classic server, but keep them at the same time on your just vanilla server and do both. And that's, to me, that's, that's wild.
5: Uh, As Anna is pointing out in chat, use one or the other, but both. So if you clone or or try to do both, your attention, there's going to be a cause, which seems fair. Um, Yeah, that's
0: still more than I think any other MMO has ever done in this situation.
5: I would agree. It's also a really interesting solution to the problem of how do you keep or try to keep all of your players. Um, So, like, that's really, really cool. And they did say that... uh, Burning Crusade Classic is going to be treated just like the classic subscription too, where it's just going to be part of your normal sub cost to to World. Um, so everything's going to be done through the same sub. For those that are asking or chatting about it, uh, I I think they're trying. I think they're handling it way more elegantly than I expected. Uh, I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at the at their solution for it. I think it's actually really clever. I think it'll give players the best of both worlds. Uh, if people want to split their attention and pay that extra money, I think it's really good. And it is something that I've not seen any other MMO company do before, which makes it very, very unique. Uh, and I think it further differentiates it from the old product to what it is now. And I think it's a good thing. I think it's actually a very, very good
0: thing. I should also mention, um, they're doing character boosts this time around. Mm-hmm. If you want to just do Burning Crusade Classic and you're not interested in in the WoW Classic original experience of 1 to 60, they will let you boost to level 58. And I don't know if it's going to be paid boosting or how it's going to work or if everybody gets one free like they've done in previous uh, retail expansions. I don't have the answers to that. Um, if anyone else does, feel free to chime in with them. But they are doing that. I, this is the first Like I, I'm like I'm kind of with Liz in that I, I don't actually didn't pay a ton of attention to this, partially because work and partially because up until now, I've got very little interest in WoW Classic other than occasionally going back and looking at stuff. Like, I'll just flat out say that I find WoW Classic and original WoW gameplay to be inferior. I didn't like it as much. That's one of the reasons why I've always been happy and kept playing WoW all the years is because they kept changing things, and I liked the changes more or less. Sometimes I didn't.
5: And, but, and to, to you know. answer your question, they didn't specify how uh the boosts are really work i think I something to- about yeah, but
0: whatever wh- i will say that i am actually this is the first time i've been interested in actually playing this like i can i can see myself raiding in burning crusade classic cuz i i when i raided original burning crusade i had three frame rate <laughs> like right? I was tank i was tanking those fights with like 3 fps dude i was on a
5: 13 inch was- macbook
0: yeah, I was like on a potato with a computer screen stuck into it with wires. Um, I, I was, you know, I remember when I got a Dell Inspiron laptop, and that was the huge upgrade that allowed me to actually get up to five frames per second, which which made it physically possible to tank uh, Kael'thas in Tempest Keep. So imagining being able to see that fight and see it not like. When you go back and do those things now because they're all still there burning crusade is the first expansion is the first content that's still there from all those years ago when you go in and blow it up now you don't get to see it you know what i mean like you don't get to experience it with 25 I, other people with the actual stuff happening
5: i i thought so- one of the most telling things like when they opened it up and uh they were talking about the hearing the void reaver for the first time or the fell reaver uh for the first time and like not knowing what it is then running across it and being just absolutely decimated and having that sheer terror now players aren't afraid of it anymore because you can just fly away from it there is no impending or dread there is no well i'm caught between a, a cliff and this thing that's going to eat my face anymore uh so i think it's interesting that there's going to be an element of that again to a certain degree how,
0: how many people in this in this podcast played uh, the beta for burning crusade i was in it yeah friends and family no
1: yep nope
0: okay for people who were in the beta, did you <laughs> did you ever run into the
5: small blue cube of death? <laughs> the one where you touch it I, and you I, just immediately cease to exist. Yes.
2: Yeah. Did, did, there, did
3: anyone not run into the cube of death? I mean, that so was just-
2: I kind <laughs> of used my friends and family time to level a drain eye paladin. So no, I didn't run into him.
0: Okay, the cube of death. Um, Was one of the, there's another experience that you had in the, in the beta. I like to call it the, the, what's that, what's that bear over in the distance? Oh my God, what happened? Because when they first put the uh, fell reaver into the the beta, they didn't have the model yet. So they first, they put a blue, they made a small blue and white box that 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 was the fell reaver so you'd literally be wandering around you'd see a small blue and white box and then you'd be dead
5: yeah the blue and white be- checkered box and some players may remember this it was like the the placeholder model for th- movement essentially
0: yeah so you would just see a box and then you'd be dead and then they
5: put in a bear
0: <laughs> just a bear like an
5: ashen veil bear
0: that was just wandering around in in the in the uh, hellfire peninsula and you'd be like hey what's that bear doing over there and you'd hear this noise
4: like yeah. the oh yeah,
0: you'd hear that noise. It was kind of like being in in the opening of like Inception or something. And you're like, "What what's the deal? What's that noise?" But you didn't know it was the bear because you know what bears sounded like. Bears don't sound like that. So you you continue on your path over to that bear. You wanted to see if it was an elite or something. But the bear still had a Fel Reavers hitbox.
5: Oh, and also the the tooltip for it did not say beast, and I know this because I was playing a hunter during this time. I was like, oh, it's a new bear from Outland. I'll go ahead and tame it. No, it was not a bear. It was yeah, not a bear. But, but Plus, I mean, you're used to things aggroing you at a
0: certain range. The bear was normal bear-sized, but it had the Fel Reavers aggro range <laughs> yeah. and hitbox. The Fel Reavers hitbox is dragon-sized. Yeah. So you'd be like, you'd still be far enough away from that thing that you didn't even think it should notice you yet. And then you'd be dead. That's the fell reaver to me. That is, that is what I hope. I hope when they do the burning crusade classic test that they're talking about doing the, the, the beta test for it, I'm hoping they put in the bear. Okay. I want players to get to have the bear experience. It's just not burning crusade. If you don't get to have the bear, in my opinion, if but, I
2: could just go ahead, go. Um, I'm, I'm my concern with burning crusade classic is with the cloning the the economy is going to be really, really. They're not putting any gold limits, so you're going to have people coming from classic with gargantuan, larger amounts of gold than we ever thought about having at the opening of Cla- of Burning Crusade when we actually did it. And I'm really concerned about the economy.
0: I can see it being an issue, but quite frankly, I'm not too worried about it because I think I feel like the economy in WoW Classic is already such a Faustian nightmare that it, they. I don't think it'll get that much worse. If that makes sense. Like this is me basically saying the place is already on fire and the boat is sinking. I don't see what that this will actually this will just sustain that that downward trajectory. I don't know. Have they talked at all about fixing the economy in Wild Classic? Uh, I don't. I don't think I heard anything.
1: I don't think he could no. without just removing a bunch of gold from the economy from players.
0: Yeah, like a lot of stuff happened in that that I don't think. Yeah, I don't think that's for me. It's much more lines. I want to know what version of Burning Crusade they're going to be running. Like it's they this- they did not. They did not talk about that in any great detail. They, they said have... they were going to be doing it, but they didn't say exactly why.
5: So the interesting thing about that, like, and I'm, I'm curious about that too, is like when they did uh, classic WoW or, or WoW Classic, like they had to go with what they uh, they have, like they, they yeah 1.12. Like yeah, yeah. I'm, did they mention if they have the Burning Crusade code? Oh, they
0: have. Yeah, they've got all of it. So I wonder because it never got actually got taken out. Remember?
5: Yeah. So I'm kind of curious if if they just do it from the beginning well so they d- said
0: that they didn't want to use the original burning crusade client stuff like they they definitely don't want to do that because a lot of that is just so old and they have much better versions i remember them saying that in the panel but i don't i don't know what version of of burning crusade they're going to run
2: so there was one panel when they were talking about this they brought the code over and they said that um, the blood elves all the armor was invisible And they kind of tongue in cheek said that would probably break our T for team rating.
4: (laughs) Yeah,
0: so there's there's a lot to this. Um, Unfortunately, we're getting kind of late on time here, and I do want to talk about some other stuff.
1: Real Uh, quick, one final thought for Burning Crusade. Uh, I'm just wondering what the big draw is in Burning Crusade Classic. Like, I know that it's one of it's a very popular expansion. People really loved it, but Vanilla Classic had the War, and it had Naxramus, which uh, are both like these huge pillars of gaming. Uh, Scarab Warfare is just the event itself and Naxxramas because nobody ever got to do it. Like, 1% of the player base at the time actually mm-hmm. rated Naxxramas when it was content. So I'm just wondering what the equivalent is in Burning Crusade, and if that'll be, like, if we'll see a big event or, like, people get really hyped for something in there on that Yeah, it's of attunements, that. man. It's 100% attunements.
0: <laughs> it's attunements. People miss attunements. <laughs> Thank you, Liz. <laughs> <laughs> that was the response I wanted. <laughs>
5: Because that's pretty much
0: how I actually feel about it. Uh,
5: I, I, All right. I, I don't know. I think the big defining moment besides, like, Black Temple, I mean, really was there one besides, well, Caverns of Time was then, wasn't it? I think
0: there's actually quite a few. There's, as you mentioned, the Caverns of Time, that was, it got expanded there. Uh, but there's, you know, the Burning, Burning Crusade basically has Illidan himself, which was at the first time, that was the first big Warcraft 3 lore figure who got into World of Warcraft. Not counting Janna. Um, not counting Janna, because Janna didn't do a lot or in, in Vanilla. Thrall doesn't count at all. No. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. Of the, of the big two that everybody was like, oh, when are we going to see Arthas? When are we going to see Illidan? And you know had things going differently, they talked about that they almost did Arthas first. Yeah. like They had thought about doing Arthas and the Scourge first, and then they decided to do Illidan first. Illidan
5: um, and Kelthas being first, as far as Burning Crusade went, I think was a good choice. That is a good it, it choice, also, though.
0: It, it also means that, you know, that's the kind of stuff for people. This was the first time that they got to step away from Azeroth as well. And for all that, you know, WoW R- Classic was very much about Azeroth nostalgia. This is about nostalgia for that first time you weren't on Azeroth anymore. And it's weird being in Shadowlands in a weird sort of way. We are very much in an expansion that is living in the legacy of that kind of alien vista. The first time you step through the Hellfire Peninsula portal. Uh, the dark portal you step through it and you are suddenly this ain't what is there's stuff floating what is this that was a big thing i think there's a lot to burning crusade that attracts people um but you know to be fair people can still do it whereas all the original wow classic stuff is not there anymore but okay we we really do need to talk at least a little bit about hearthstone because we haven't and it's a big deal um so ted
2: so we got um, Force and the Barons, which is our new expansion. It's kind of, you know, it was expected. Um, we're going to get a new keyword in Frenzy, which is kind of uh, buffed up in Raid. We're getting spell schools. So just like we have minion types, all the, all the spells will now have a particular school. So you can have minions that interact with with nature spells versus holy spells. And so there's a whole new range of possibilities. We're, we're getting an entirely new mode called Mercenary, which is supposed to be like a Slay the Spire Kind of thing, which they just kind of tease, but you're going to be leveling up heroes, getting equipment drops. It just, it's a Hearthstone that that is like nothing you do today. And then we've got the core set, and then we've got Hearthstone Classic, which I am looking so forward to. Um, I was I was actually in the Hearthstone beta, but during the time period of Hearthstone Classic, I had a very small collection, and now. I'll be able to go in there and, and play a lot of the decks that I didn't get to play because I just didn't have the collection back then. So that's going to be really interesting. And it's going to have the same ladder, the same uh, kind of reward system that your uh, your ranked and your casual does right now. So there's a lot of really, really cool stuff.
0: What's the core deck thing? This is the part I didn't really grasp when I was looking into it. Like They're basically is throwing like, out the way that the decks are organized now and going for the nose system or what? What's what's the deal? Is it similar to like what they're doing with
5: like core sets and magic?
2: So, yeah, basically right now you have the basic set and you have um, the, the um, oh, I can't remember what it's called, classic and basic set, I think is what it's called, and that's all going away. And basically it's going to be a core set of cards called the core set that every player gets for free. It's over 200 cards that becomes the foundation of your collection.
3: The thing is that right now uh, you get you earn basic cards through playing, but all of the classic cards, which is a lot of cards, you have to get them by opening packs. It's really random, and it means if you jump into the game, like if you jump into the game for the first time, you are starting way behind because you have no classic cards and you have nothing to build a deck with except for this basic kind of mediocre stuff. Uh, so, but now everyone will log in and have this collection of 200 cards. Everyone will have the same basis to start from, even though you can still buy packs and get more new stuff. Is this a way to get this,
0: people back into the game or to, it, for new players to catch up?
5: It sounds like it reduces um, the barrier to entry is really what it is.
0: It it like yes,
3: it. it reduces the barrier to entry, but it also allows the developers to have kind of a more curated set. And they're going to rotate it every year so they can keep kind of tweaking gameplay and keeping it interesting. And, you know, bring in new cards or bring old cards back into the set that um interact with interesting ways and new cards Uh, so yes it reduces the barrier to entry and it kind of starts people off at a more level playing field i think
5: yeah i think i was gonna say i think that from from uh, an outsider's perspective who isn't playing it as much as like some other folks are that sounds really really good that that's yeah. like that sounds like something that I might try to play again in the future and try to play some of the fun expansions and fun things that they're doing because legitimately I stopped playing because I didn't have access to like basic things to build a deck and I didn't have cards because I hadn't been playing as much and so like casual player me was was falling super super far behind and it just made a lot of the stuff unfun so this sounds like it's it's just a really good way to sort of get my feet wet back into it. So I think it's a smart choice on their part, because when they started saying that, my ears did perk up because uh, well, go ahead.
2: I'm so sorry. Um, as someone who watched almost every Hearthstone panel, it really did feel like that Jay Allen Brack five minutes before the person went on said, now, be sure you say there's never been a better time to get into Hearthstone.
0: <laughs> OK, uh, well, at this point, we are kind of at the end of our time. I do have like a question I want to ask everybody here and give you guys a chance to answer it so that we can go out on this how and I'm gonna start with uh, with main Liz again because you know she is our boss and I'd like to occasionally <laughs> Liz start with her. prime yeah um, wh- what did you what were your feelings about the relative lack of overwatch/ overwatch 2 news at this was were you expecting that were you surprised at how little we actually got do you think there's going to be an announcement on the road what did you think of that?
3: I am definitely surprised we didn't get more Overwatch 2 because it feels like Overwatch 1 is kind of at the end of its cycle. It's, you know, there's not a ton happening in Overwatch 1. You just kind of have the same thing. There aren't new heroes. You're getting just kind of regular holiday events and new arcade modes and just little things. But it's, you know, there's nothing new and exciting coming to Overwatch. And it felt like they had to... It's like, we really needed to hear something about what to get hyped for, and I'm really surprised, too, that it didn't get a 2021 release date, because that would give people in Overwatch really something to look forward to, and now they don't have that. And BlizzCon didn't give them much either, because there was just really one panel about the game. Um, So I'm surprised I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, because that means they're working on the game, they're working to make a better game than they could have released if they released it this year. But it's you know, like, like, Heroes didn't get anything, Overwatch got very little, and it feels really disappointing to be a fan of either of those games. You are hyped about the game, you're hoping to hear something, and then it just kind of, you know, it falls flat. The things Blizzard did talk about uh, for all the other titles were, like, so exciting, and then, like, if you're a Heroes of the Storm fan, like our friend Corey here, it's just, you go and there's there's nothing. There was okay. one
1: art panel for where we watched. <laughs> Cartoon animation, so we love. There was a very good panel where we watched him draw up a cartoon or a part of a cartoon. It's a lot of work.
2: Well, that
0: actually means I'll, I'll throw the question to you, Corey. Same question.
1: Same question. Uh, Overwatch. I'm so surprised that at nothing else, we didn't get any update on Sojourn's kit, uh, like as a character. They announced her at BlizzCon 2019. It has been a year and change uh, since we saw anything about Overwatch 2, and rather than come out all guns blazing on this new hero character the first canadian the first black woman in the game they yeah they showed her in action in a few snippets of the gameplay that they were showing in their one overwatch like substantive panel about like what's coming to the game but that was it they didn't go into her kit they didn't have a trailer for her they didn't showcase her skins they didn't so it's like what was what's that why why wouldn't you show us more of this character it's been so long
3: What have you been doing for the past year and
1: a half? Okay, I'll throw the
0: question over unless you are you done, Corey?
1: Uh yeah, it's just they have the kit, it's working. We can see that she's being played. Why not give us a little teaser about like give us a taste of what it is?
0: Right. I'm gonna throw us over to Kelvin timeline, Liz. Uh what do you think? Same question.
4: My interest in Overwatch tends to be more from the uh, spectator and um, a community event perspective. Why are, you, why,
0: why are you me today? Everything you're saying is what I was going to be. <laughs> Can't be Liz and me.
4: <laughs> I'm actually your secret AU love child. That's what it is.
5: <laughs> Wait a minute. so bad for you right now. Wait a minute. So does that mean you're a barbarian too? What?
4: <laughs> no, that's why I don't play the barbarian. <laughs> because I would have been raised with Rossi.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I can see the I can see no, the fan art now. So surprised.
4: Um, so I yeah, I was definitely disappointed because uh well not only because with the online, you know, we didn't get the uh, the same experience of uh of the the championship events and things like that, which is also something I miss with heroes and Corey and I squee about this all the time. Um and I you know, I definitely it makes me wonder what's what's going on, Overwatch. Why we we miss you. Come back. Alrighty. Uh Ted?
2: So I don't remember which Q writer it was, but somebody was really uh had really intelligently pointed out that Blizzard has no trouble letting their IPs lie sort of fallow for years on end and then coming in gangbusters, StarCraft two. A Warcraft 3, World of Warcraft, they don't mind letting something lie fallow for a while, and I think that's what's happening with Overwatch.
5: Hmm.
0: See, the fact that the game's coming out probably in 2022 makes me wonder about that, but okay, I'll I'll take your point.
5: Uh, Joe? Uh, I think Ted's got a point, but I don't. I, I will disagree that I don't think Overwatch is falling into that category yet, uh, considering that I was literally just staring at the myriad of merchandising that is still happening uh, in the real meat space world, uh, as far as like Nerf guns and Lego sets and uh, all sorts of, of other things. There's a Monopoly set uh, for Overwatch. Uh, Overwatch is at this point, I think, almost as merchandised as World of Warcraft is. Uh, more so really I would you know what actually yeah I will say more so uh it reminds me of like 2008 2009 warcraft when like that was everywhere um but that I don't think it's a game laying dormant I think it's literally they don't have anything else to show us because they're pushing so hard on overwatch 2 and I think that they're probably at a point where development of a game like that things to consider it's going into a uh a player campaign mode which was not what the original game was meant to do. they're having to make the systems work for that if they aren't already completely rewriting the system i'm going to go out on a limb and guess that the uh technical back end stuff was probably a little more complicated than they anticipated for a bunch of them. um it, with the soldier and stuff it's probably not final uh so they probably don't want to give too much about it because they're probably going to change it because she's probably still currently built in uh, Overwatch 1 engine and that might not carry over to Overwatch 2 engine uh, depending on how that's going to change so like it, it's just Overwatch is in a weird place I'm not I'm actually not surprised at all we didn't hear much uh, just because we're in that that weird betweens would I have liked to have heard more about Overwatch 2 Yes, absolutely. Uh, was it expected to not hear anything? Yeah, I, I this is basically about as much as I. okay. Uh, one
0: last thing. Darren DePaul, best MC or absolute best MC ever.
5: I just want
2: to hang out with him.
1: He's so absolutely nice.
3: So best. Yeah, the gifts we haven't earned. <laughs> I just I just want to hang out with the guy. I just he should he should MC everything.
0: Yeah, he, I I have to say that um, if if after this Darren DePaul gets to be host as many BlizzCon's as he wants, I would be totally down with that. I I don't think they, up until now they had not really found the the magic combination. But every time I see Darren DePaul doing anything involving BlizzCon, it's just one. Uh, the guy's amazing. So if you're listening, Darren, why are you listening to us?
5: <laughs> if you are What's listening to things? us, if you are listening to want to play
0: in our D and D game? <laughs> you know, he, if he is, if he played in our D and D game, the rest of us don't have to show up anymore. He just does everything.
1: I I don't know that I would feel I I wouldn't be able to say anything. I wouldn't feel like yeah. I had you'd
0: just be watching video. him, listening to him. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's like when people are like, "Oh, I'd love to be a critical role I'm like, "No, are you kidding me?" I would sit there like with my jaw on the floor the whole time. No, uh, but yeah. Also, by the way, that Diablo game was amazing. The Diablo D and D game that they ran, um, he he incorporated uh diablo mechanics into the game and he did it really well and i'm always impressed when dms do that but we are pretty much out of time for me to gush for an hour about that so thank you guys oh. so much for being here uh whoever just said oh go oh. for it
1: um so one thing uh, the hearthstone reveal is cool I love horde stuff because you know for the horde through and through i bleed red etc cetera, etc cetera. i was very disappointed that their trailer was not a musical I thought we'd figured this out since Sholazar basin that their trailers had to be musicals. Like Ben Brode made a rap for Sholazar basin because the fan base was like, where's the music?
0: Yeah. I think that we're, we're moving to a new era where there won't be as many musicals. And
1: I'm sorry to tell you this, Corey, I'm I'm very sad. They don't even have Ben Brode anymore to do that for. It.
0: Yeah. And they don't have Dave Kosack either. Yeah, no, that's, you, you lose those guys. You might, maybe you lose your musicals, man, but yeah, thank you everyone who's listening to this for the past hours, this, this group of maniacs uh, <laughs> try to talk coherently after two days of a, of a convention that we kind of all just covered. So thank you for tolerating us for that. Um, this has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast, special BlizzCon edition. Um, I, I, I Usually we have a thing we say here, and I... Feel Weird saying it because we didn't do any emails or anything like that. But if you do have a question for the main podcast, uh, you can send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com subject line podcast of blizzardwatch so we know it's for this show or lore watch if you want to ask about lore watch. We're doing that tomorrow, by the way. Mm-hmm. We're doing a lot this weekend, so if you've got a question for lore watch as you're listening to this, somehow, if somehow you're listening to this, I guess live while we're streaming it, you can still ask Joe questions for tomorrow's lore watch. Um, so get on that. We're gonna. I think it's safe to say tomorrow's lore watch is going to have a lot to talk about.
5: Oh, oh yeah, ever so slightly, ever so
0: slightly. So, um, everybody, go ahead and say goodbye. Uh, do it in alphabetical order. So, Corey.
3: Goodbye, everyone. Thanks for
1: being here.
2: Ted, you're up. Goodbye, everybody. It's hammer time.
0: Uh, whichever Liz wants to go. <laughs>
4: uh, goodbye from the Prime Universe. And goodbye from the AU. We love you all,
5: Joe. All right, folks. Thank you very much, and uh, for hanging out with us this weekend. I look forward to talking to you again. Uh and as always, thank you for your continued support here on Twitch for the recording as well as on Patreon. And uh if you're listening to us live and you really considered uh supporting us on Patreon, just gonna throw it out there. Uh those supporters allow us to keep doing stuff exactly like this with these wonderful impromptu uh sessions where we get to talk about things like BlizzCon. Uh it keeps the lights on, folks. So if you can uh if you can support us, we definitely And
0: uh, bye everybody.